The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's here. I'm here. Tommy's got a breaking news story, which he tweeted out just a little while ago. We'll get to that. I actually have a playoff path for Washington that isn't as much of a long shot as you would think. Uh, I want to get to the Maryland. Of course you do. (laughs) Of course I do. I want to get to the Maryland win over Virginia Tech as well. But I want to start with what you tweeted out earlier this morning. I'll let you read or tell everybody what you tweeted out, because I think this is really interesting, even though it has nothing to do with the actual game on Sunday against the Eagles. It has to do with all the other stuff related to the organization. So go ahead. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I tweeted out that I'm hearing that uh, Joe Gibbs is going to make an appearance Sunday at Ghost Town Field for the regular season uh, home finale there, and he's going to be doing the coin toss as part of the ceremonies. Oh, my God. Uh, I've heard it from a pretty reliable source, uh, sources, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they changed their mind based on the reaction I've gotten so far on social media, which has been contempt and critical and embarrassing. Well, I mean, I I I haven't seen anybody react say, oh, it'll be great to see Coach there. Well, I'll just give you my reaction without looking to the uh, looking towards the reactions um, from your t- tweet or looking at the reactions from your tweet. Number one is, uh, I mean, it's their go-to move. You know, it's Sean Taylor and Joe Gibbs. I mean, this is an old, you know, go-to move for Snyder. You know, it's an emergency break glass situation, and um, it just does, it's not going to work. I mean, I, I don't know what world they're living in to think that they can trot Joe out and and garner some sort of empathy or, you know, uh, create some goodwill or some credibility uh, among the fans. The, it, we know what Joe is. We love Joe. We respect Joe. He's the all-time number one um, for most of us. And, um, you're, you know, the management's association with him – um, is a turnoff actually, uh, and they're go- they're they're using him is a turnoff. So that's number one. Number two is it's going to be mostly an Eagles fan base Sunday yes. at FedEx Field. I mean, and I don't think the Eagles will, fans will be very respectful to Coach. Um, you know what? 
I don't know what the Eagles fans would be, um, but it's you know it's a coin toss before the game starts, and you know it's not a halftime ceremony. It's not a uh, a thrown together last second jersey retirement ceremony. These are their moves, you know. Sean Taylor's the move, and 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 I I told I I said to you earlier this week or last week. You watch. I mean, when this season is over, there's probably going to be more things lined up related to Sean Taylor. You know. Yes, remembrances and I, I don't know why they don't get um, at this point why enough is enough it has nothing to do with Sean or his family it has to do with them being so transparent so obvious in what they're trying to do um, and this is uh, this is obvious too it's it's stupid on their part um, and t- let me th- throw this in there you know what Tommy I know Joe uh, will never, more likely than not, share with anybody publicly his real feelings about Dan Snyder and the organization that used to be, you know, the organization that he was a big part of. Um, because Dan, I think, you know, um, donates a significant amount of money to Joe's, you know, charity, the Youth for Tomorrow uh, charity, right. on an annual basis. And I don't even know if it if if it's fair to actually say that would be the reason. I think Joe's got more. Um, you know, I, I think, I think Joe, his, if Joe really didn't want to be associated with Dan at all, I don't know how much of that would drive, you know, the reaction, but I don't want Joe associating with Dan or this organization until ownership changes at some point anymore. I I think it, I, I, it'll never make him look bad because we'll never, ever, he'll, he could never do anything to make us have ill feelings towards him. But he's just such on a different level of human being than the people that run this, that own and run this organization. I know he knows Ron, you know, or, or knows him a little bit. I know that I think you and I both believe and discussed that, uh, Ron and Joe spoke before Ron took this job. Um, I just don't want Joe anywhere near the Snyders anymore. I mean, and by the way, not just near the Snyders, near an organization right now that has some serious, serious explaining to do. You know, has serious repairing. Loyal Loyal, Gibbs is very loyal. He's loyal to the organization, uh, no matter who's running it, apparently. He's just got a, a, a strong sense of loyalty. He's not, he's probably never going to abandon Snyder. Uh, at least publicly. And if he shows up Sunday, that'll be evidence of that. One of the other strange side stories of this is this will be the first time Gibbs will be at the stadium, I think, since Snyder's falling out with Dwight Shar, the right. former minority partner who uh, of the team, who Snyder has accused of, of, of conducting a smear campaign against him. Right. And Gibbs and, and Dwight Shar have been very close friends, and it was Shar who introduced Snyder to Gibbs in the first place. Yeah, it's weird. No, so that's a, that's that's got to be awkward. Look, for all we know, Joe's disgusted with with what Dwight Shar may have been involved in as well. You know, that's the Maybe. one. That's the one thing about all of the last year and a half or whatever it's been now. Yeah, about a year and a half. I, I, if somebody started attaching my name to Jeffrey Epstein and sex trafficking and drug trafficking, and I knew where that stuff was coming from, and it was coming from one of my business partners, I'd be pretty pissed off too. 
Um, you know, and, and again, we don't know for sure that, that Dwight Char was behind this or Bruce Allen had anything to do with it, but Snyder clearly thinks that they did. Um, but whatever. I mean, you know, Tommy, it's like uh, you almost have to – I mean, let's, let's think about this. Hey, Joe, before you come up here and stand next to Dan – or walk out onto the field and then get the shots of you in the suite with Dan watching the game. Do you know that just in the last like three months, uh, we've had DEA agents, you know, raid Ashburn, and we had our director of of, of medical and training um, basically walked off the premises. He hasn't been back. Did you know that there was a report that uh, Snyder's lawyers paid hush money to the people um, that were um, alleged okay, there's victims? Some break- there's, there's some breaking news. What? Uh, uh, Nikki, how, how, how do you pronounce it? Nikki Javala. Javala. Yeah. Uh, just tweeted out, was told this was scheduled, but has since been canceled because of travel concerns during COVID. There you go. Okay, so um, it was scheduled, right? Like I said, Joe gives schedule for coin toss, but it has since been uh, canceled for COVID, and that makes sense. Yeah. So it had been scheduled that he was going to do this late in the year. I wonder when it was scheduled. I don't know. Maybe they scheduled it before the season, unlike the Sean Taylor retirement jersey thing, jersey retirement (laughs) thing. What I, but you know what? I just don't. I don't. Hey, Joe, are are you paying attention to what this guy is involved in and what this organization is? We've we've got congressional hearings on this organization. We got a guy that tried to obstruct an investigation. We got a guy whose lawyers reportedly paid hush money to to uh, you know uh, alleged victims. Of the of, of of by the way the culture, which let's be fair here and let's be honest, included four years of Joe Gibbs being a big part of the football operation. A lot of the stuff yes. that was going on was when Joe Gibbs was here. Yes, yes, it was. Um, oh, these are dots. These are dots. Nobody wants to connect. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> and by the way, there's no reason to connect the dots. Because no, no, if Joe knew something was going on, he would have taken care of it. Yes. Maybe. Absolutely. Let's. I don't. I just. I don't need Joe near this place anymore. My well, me, my memories well, of Joe. COVID. Yeah. One one of the silver linings of COVID is Joe Gibbs won't be making the trip after all. Yeah. Okay. So there we go. We just spent ten minutes on something that isn't going to happen, but. Your report wasn't wrong. It was scheduled right. to happen, but COVID concerns have, you know, whether, by the way, that's true or not, maybe maybe they saw the, the quick response and they said, well, we can get out of this easily by just saying it's COVID-related. Because you can pretty much yeah, get out I of mean, anything look, these days by saying it's COVID-related. Look, th- th- this, this organization has earned every cynical response they get. Of course. But it's reasonable to believe that it was canceled because of COVID. <laughs> I mean... Seriously, though, if he had walked out there and let's just say, I mean, I don't think Philadelphia fans are going to totally descend on FedEx field with, you know, this is a huge game for them. Um, I I know. Remember, I know from like three weeks ago, a month ago, that this game hadn't been selling many tickets at all. That's because both teams, for the most part, 
were not very good good teams for most of the year. So um, I don't know what kind of crowd they'll have there. I would guess it's going to look very much like the crowds of early in the season. You know, thirty-five to 40,000 real crowd, not paid attendance. The paid attendance will be the 50 or the 51. They'll have, you know, thirty-five to 40,000 in the stadium, and half of them will probably be Eagles fans. Maybe more than half, At I least. guess. More than half, I'd say. Yeah. Um, so on a good day, on a good day from the games I was at the stadium, it was 50-50 if you were a Washington fan. That was a good day for Washington fans. Yeah. If at least half the stadium was filled with, with, with you know, fellow fans. Right. Anyway. Okay. Well, what about that Maryland football team, buddy? You know, I, first of all... You should strike your stuff here. I mean, this is a rare moment for this football team. Well, I'm more interested in strutting my stuff because for two weeks I've predicted that Maryland was going to win in a blowout over Virginia Tech. Um, it was very okay. pre- it was very predictable because Virginia Tech, and yes, all of you Virginia Tech Hokie fans who listen to the show, I am very aware of all of the players that had opted out. I had talked about that before. One of the reasons I liked Maryland a lot is Virginia Tech not only had a lot of players, including basically quarterbacks dropping out, opting out, transferring the whole thing with the coaching change that's going on, um, but Maryland really didn't have that, and Maryland was going to be the motivated team. I could tell that they were going to be the motivated team. And, by the way, the public was hammering Virginia Tech plus points. So I I, I had Maryland yesterday as a smell test pick, along with Iowa State, which did not work out um, last night. Um, so there are a couple of things. Number one, you know, Loxley told me last week, you know, we by beating Rutgers at the end of the year and becoming bowl eligible and getting this game, and it's something that Ralph Regan, I remember, used to tell probably both of us together, that getting to a bowl game is so important for a college program, even if they're 6-6, six and six, because it gives them another month of practices. And it's really like a second spring of practices, and it's very valuable for the following year, especially if you're returning, you know, the same coaching staff and a lot of the same players. Um, and he really felt like it was a major step for the program to become bowl eligible. And, you know, he's recruited very well. The coaching, you know, has been discussed. It's been sloppy at times. They've been a sloppy football team under him. They've been a highly penalized team, a team that that seems to take a lot of dumb penalties a lot. They've been absolutely non-competitive in a lot of the games against the upper echelon, which, by the way, a lot of teams of their level don't have much of a chance against Ohio State. Um, The Penn State game was super competitive this year until the end. Uh, But yesterday... Uh, so remember on Sunday night when Dallas wins 56 to 14 and we said, look, Washington's going through a lot, but all of the excuses in the world, it's tough to really explain 56 to 14. Virginia Tech had a lot going on and a lot of missing players, but it's kind of hard to explain 54 to 10. It's kind of the same thing. Maryland really, really played well. They played their cleanest game under Mike Loxley. No turnovers, just three penalties. Um, they played one of their most you know, complete games in terms of their playmaking ability on defense and on offense. 
Um, you know, just like Dallas played one of their best games of the year, even though Washington probably really wasn't ready for that game. Maryland, listen to this, Tommy, in, in, in a 54 to 10 win over Virginia Tech in the Pinstripe Bowl yesterday at Yankee Stadium. Maryland at the at halftime had a 24 to 10 lead. The time of possession was Virginia Tech 23 minutes 35 seconds. Maryland 6 minutes 25 seconds. They only had the ball in the first half oh God. for 6 minutes and 25 <laughs> seconds. But they had scored on a punt return and they had scored on a one-play 70-yard bomb, and on, on they had another drive that was five plays that took a minute 35, and then at the end of the half, they drove six plays, and it took them a minute two. They were so explosive, and they do have talent. I mean, he has recruited his ass off. He's a he, – first of all, Loxley can really sell. He's a very good communicator. There's something about him. Like when you are with him or when you have a conversation with him, you understand how he's able to connect and sell the program, which, by the way, there's not a hell of a lot to sell. I know he would say differently, but it's not like Maryland football is, you know, at a category that makes it, you know, in a category that makes it very easy to sell. He's recruited very well, and now here comes the next part. They get the bowl win. They end up with a winning record. A lot of people roll their eyes and say, this is seven and six. They got beat by 100 against Ohio State, Michigan, and Iowa, and those things are true. But they have some of their best players, including their quarterback, to his brother, Talia Tungavailoa, coming back. They've got some really good running backs coming back. Their two best receivers, uh, Rocking Jarrett, uh, is coming back, and Dante Demas Jr., who was injured and lost for the year in that Iowa game. And both of them are probably draft choices in the NFL. They're both coming back. They've got defensive players, including this guy Hippolyte, number 11, who is really good coming back. Nick Cross coming back. Tarheeb Still, who had a 92-yard punt return and a couple of pass breakups, coming back. They are going to be next year, not Ohio State, not Michigan. They're in a very difficult division, obviously, in the Big Ten. But they are going to be a team that, at the very least, gets votes for the preseason top 25. That's my prediction. They'll be at the very least teams that are others receiving votes. And they have a senior quarterback coming back in Antunga Vailoa who will get a lot of preseason recognition. And I know some of you are going to say, Sheehan, you told me that at 4-0 this year, and then he shit the bed against Iowa and Minnesota and other games. It's true. But, you know, I heard, I was listening to Loxley on the postgame show with Johnny Holiday and Steve Souter. You know, Leah, to his brother, he started, he played his first games last year during a pandemic in which they really only played six games or five games during the course of the season. Every, every, all the other games were basically canceled. And he only played, I think, in four of the five. So this was his first year of starting. He's a senior coming back and he finished strong. He played great against Rutgers and yesterday 20 of 24, 265 yards, two touchdowns, and he did something yesterday that I wish he would do more of. He should be a better r- runner. 
I think sometimes he's hesitant to run. I don't know why. He's a he's very very good at escaping pressure, and he should be a much better runner. And yesterday he did that to the tune of ten and a half yards per carry, four carries, forty two yards. Um, three of them were scrambles. One of them was kind of a designed run. I think Maryland's got a chance to take another step next year. Not Ohio State level. Not, you know, national championship level, Big Ten East level. But, you know, a team that's going to have a chance to win eight-plus games next year and, you know, be more competitive against the division that they are in, the Big Ten East. You know, they lost to Ohio State this year the same way it seems like they always lose to them, 66-17. They lost to Michigan 59-18. They lost to Iowa, even though they had, uh, you know, um, even though it was a close game. They had a lead at the end of the first quarter. They lost 51-14. to Next year's going to be different. It, they've got a lot of talent coming back. His recruiting classes are starting to mature. The key is playing more disciplined, clean football like they did against Virginia Tech. But I am happy for Loxley. I know a lot of Maryland fans are not convinced, and I'm not saying I'm totally convinced either. But I really like him. I'm hoping that they can take the next step. I don't think Maryland football is ever going to be a legitimate national championship contender, not in this league and not in a the division they're in. But if they can win eight, nine games a year, have you know one out of every four or five years have a chance to beat Ohio State or Michigan, you know, and be more competitive, uh, you know, that's pretty good for for, for them. Um, I was impressed with them yesterday, very much so, despite how limited and depleted Virginia Tech was. Is that enough on Maryland? Look, you have, no, no, I just wanted to put in my two cents. You have every right to feel that way about all of it. And uh, really, I mean, if, 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 Locks, if there are questions about his actual coaching abilities and strategies, I mean, those things can be taken care of with with a strong assistant coaching staff. Uh, you know, uh, recruiting being such an important part of the business. And uh, if he learned from his mistakes from his first tenure as a, as a head coach in New Mexico, this is all good. Right? Uh, isn't it a little disappointing though that that you know they're they're almost like the Triple A uh, world champion in a league that's a major league. I mean, you know, they're never going to win the big the big 10 and they could win the they won the ACC. Yeah, in 2001. And they never played well, in the ACC championship game. They were close a couple times, but you're right. Their chances of winning an ACC title are better than winning a Big 10 title. That's true. Yeah. And that's just a I would think for me I'd be a little bit disappointed. I mean, it's more fun if you're eight and four, nine and three, and your three losses are to Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State every year, or four and add in, you know, Iowa to that. But uh, you know, there'd be part of me saying, you know, I mean, I want more. I guess you know, you're not in a, since you haven't had anything, you're not in that position yet. And it was a great win. And there's every reason to be optimistic about what you said. They seem to have tremendous talent. Uh, but, uh, and, you know, I don't think we'll get to this stage for a while where eight and four people will get tired of that. I think people will welcome that for a while. Is the worst bowl loss for Virginia Tech ever. I like that. You know, they recruit against Virginia Tech, and Virginia Tech in their first few years in the ACC really walloped Maryland a couple of times badly. Um, 
uh, when Ralph was was coaching. Um, I, I, you know, I, I I don't think that their goals should be less than competing for a championship. I understand that mindset. I just don't know if it's realistic. Like Michigan and Ohio State, Ohio State in particular, is just at a different level. I mean, yeah. Ohio State's at a different level than almost everybody else in the Big Ten. I mean, I'm not worried. It's, Maryland yeah. isn't by themselves, you know, in that. You're I right. Mean, um, you know, Michigan this year was tremendous, but you know, Ohio State, you know, beat you know beat Michigan State fifty six to seven when Michigan State was ranked seventh in the country. I mean, that game against Michigan State, it was forty nine to nothing at halftime. Ohio State had seven drives in the first half and scored touchdowns on all of them and had 500 yards and 49 points in a half against the number seven team in America. So, like, Maryland could be Michigan State in football every once in a while, and Maryland's beaten Michigan State before in football. So I, I think that... um the, the Big Ten, Ohio State, like Clemson had for many years in the ACC until this year, actually, just had a, a, a massive advantage. The SEC is different. There are more schools, more capable of competing with Alabama. Um, but, you know, in the Big Ten, it's really Michigan and Penn State for the most part. I mean, that's it, you know. But I think Maryland can be Iowa on, on, in different years. They can be Michigan State. I mean, Minnesota has had a couple of really good seasons. Maryland can win eight, nine games with the the way he's recruiting. I think you're right. They can, you know, and I think you're right. But it's it's sort of like playing in the old American League, where you, you, you know you're always going to finish behind the Yankees. Yeah. No, I I know I know what you're saying. And the ACC felt like that for a long time with Florida State in it. It really did. You know, there were a lot of years there in a row. Where you know Maryland was in that ACC Atlantic with Florida State, and you know even though Ralph had some really good teams, it was pretty much impossible to you know finish in front of Florida State. Um, and the other division, the Coastal, was wide open. Like the Big Ten, it's kind of the same thing. They're in the East, which has Michigan, Ohio State. Michigan State and Penn State and in the Big Ten West you know teams all have a chance I mean Wisconsin's obviously really good all the time so is Iowa um, but you know Minnesota's snuck up there on occasion Nebraska's gonna you know uh, it, they just are in the wrong division in a great league they were in the same thing in the ACC they, that Atlantic was the yeah. wrong division in the best league and uh, yeah. but anyway um Enough about Maryland. Uh, it was it was a fun day. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because I was, I I do like Mike. I I know the recruiting classes they're having. I know how up for this game they were. You know, I I had talked to some people leading up to this that they were motivated. And this these bowl games, Tommy, if they're not getting canceled, it's all about you know the team's motivation level. And Maryland didn't have any. I think they may have had one transfer, you know, and maybe one opt out, but that was it. Virginia Tech had a coaching change and all of these opt outs. And Maryland's team speed was better than Virginia Tech's to begin with, even if Virginia Tech had been healthy. Maryland's got tremendous team speed where they have been uh where they've had their problems in the Big 10 it's been at the line of scrimmage 
where they've yeah. gotten, you know, manhandled by some of the big old country boys um, in the in the Midwest. You know, like Iowa's big old offensive line coming in and just completely dominating Maryland in that Friday night game. And Ohio State's done the same thing. They're going to have to beef up their depth um, as, as, a, as a program, and they're really going to have to get bigger, stronger, and more athletic uh, on their offensive and defensive fronts. Although defensively, they, they do have some team speed, man. And they do on offense, too. But you know what they have, Tommy? They've got a quarterback. And like that, next year, Lee is going to get a lot of attention going into next year. You know, I, I don't know what level of attention. I'm not saying that he's going to be a Heisman front runner at all. But it wouldn't surprise me on a list of, say, 15 Heisman candidates going into next year that he's like 15th or 14th. Like he, would be, he might be on the list. I might be carried away with that. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we've got other things to talk about, including – a not-so-crazy path for Washington to make the postseason. I'll walk through it with Tommy and with all of you after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This segment of the podcast is brought to you by MyBookie at MyBookie.ag and MyBookie.com. Use my promo code KevinDC, and they will match your initial deposit dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. Easy place right now to go get extra money to bet with if that's what you're thinking about doing with all of these bowl games and with still two NFL regular season weeks left and then all of the playoff games that start after that. My bookie's giving away free money to gamble with. You deposit 100 bucks, you'll have 200 to gamble with. Deposit 500, 1000. Deposit 1000, you'll have 2000 to bet with. You've got to use my promo code Kevin DC and sometimes and many of you have told me this, when you sign up there is some Something already in the promo code, erase it and write Kevin DC. 
Type out Kevin DC in the promo code, and you'll get the initial deposit match dollar for dollar up to a thousand bucks. Okay, so um, n- no smell test picks today. I like Arizona State a little bit tonight, plus the seven, and I like the under 41 in that game a little bit, but it's not official. Maryland was official yesterday. Iowa State was official yesterday. So I went I went one and one. I will tell you this, that tomorrow, Tommy, on the smell test, you know, it's really hard right now with COVID because you don't know the state of these teams and where these numbers are going to be by right. the time we get to kickoff on Sunday. But there are a lot of NFL games that will totally fit the smell test criteria. And one of them is Washington. Washington's going to be one of the biggest anti-public plays, or Philadelphia is going to be one of the biggest public plays of the weekend. They are a three-point favorite right now. That's it. The line got to three and a half, four. It's down to three. So sharp money right now in Washington getting that number down to three. The public's all over Philadelphia. I'd be very surprised if in tomorrow's smell test I don't have Washington. In fact, I think Washington, this sets up perfectly. It's so NFL. They get beat 56-14 to 14 on national television, and everybody thinks they suck. And the next week they come back with their best effort of the year. And by the way, you're talking about a coach, historically, like we talked about on Tuesday's show, that gets the best out of his team when his team gets thumped. So the next week for Ron Rivera has been a really good week during the course of his career when he's really taken it on the chin uh, in a game. Now... To the playoff thing, Joe Ferreira is a was a longtime NFL person um, involved in their logistics and scheduling and playoff procedures guy. Now he's a media guy and he considers himself to be an NFL tiebreaker guru. <laughs> um, so he put out yesterday. Um, how Washington is eliminated this weekend, and then their path to a playoff berth. They get eliminated this weekend with a loss. If they lose or tie Philadelphia, this it's over. They're not going to go to the playoffs. Um, so if Philadelphia wins the game or if the game ends in a tie, Washington is out. If they win the game, um, they could still be out uh, if San Francisco, New Orleans, and Atlanta all win on Sunday. Now, there's some tie stuff in there. Just forget about the ties right now. If they win against Philadelphia, they could still be eliminated with a San Francisco win over Houston. They're a 12.5-point favorite, although we don't know who's playing quarterback in that game, whether it's Garoppolo or Trey Lance. If New Orleans wins, they're a 7-point favorite over Carolina, and they're getting their, their quarterbacks back, Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon. And Atlanta win. So if those three teams win, San Francisco, New Orleans, Atlanta, Washington's out regardless of whether or not they win or lose. Atlanta is a 14.5-point underdog at Buffalo, a game that right now is going to be played in snow. There's a lot of weather for Sunday's games around the NFL. Some frigid temperature games in Green Bay and in Chicago. Snow games in Buffalo, potentially Cincinnati as well. Uh, maybe even Seattle again. Um, So there's some weather to keep an eye on, especially if you're playing fantasy or or gambling. But Washington is eliminated, it's really simple, with a loss or with a win and San Francisco, New Orleans, and Atlanta wins. It's unlikely that San Francisco, New Orleans, and Atlanta are all going to win on Sunday. Atlanta, 
that would be a pretty big upset as a 14-and-a-half-point underdog yes, to win at Buffalo. Okay? So if Washington wins Sunday, the odds are they're going to be alive going into the final week of the season. So Joe Ferreira then spelled out all of the options, the paths that Washington has to the postseason. I can hear it right now, by the way, Tommy. People are like, what are you doing? They suck. Did you see the game on Sunday night? Have you seen Taylor Heineke in his last two starts? They're not winning out. They're not beating Philadelphia. They might not even beat the Giants. Okay, fine. Just humor me here for a little bit. Because I actually think they can win Sunday. There are three paths to the postseason for Washington. And two of them are not nuts. First of all, they have to win out. They've got to beat Philadelphia and they've got to beat the Giants. You know, that if they lose this Sunday, it's over. If they lose one game, they're they're done. Okay. So they've got to win two games. Sunday they're a three-point underdog to Philadelphia. And then they're you know, if they have to win the game in the finale against the Giants and the Meadowlands, I bet they're favored at the Meadowlands to win. So if Washington wins out, there are three ways. They can get to the postseason. And the reason there are so many different ways is there are so many teams alive and there are so many different potential tiebreakers of of potential teams that would be involved in tiebreakers. Understand this. Washington, one of the reasons they still have a chance is because they basically win every tiebreaker except a lone head-to-head with the Saints because they lost to the Saints. All right, here's path number one to the postseason. Washington beats Philly, beats the Giants. San Francisco loses out. They lose to Houston and then the Rams. Minnesota loses one game. They play the Packers and the Bears. New Orleans loses one game. Atlanta loses one game. This is the least likely of Washington's paths to the postseason. Why? Because San Francisco is probably not going to lose to Houston on Sunday. You know, Minnesota losing a game is very much in play. They play Green Bay Sunday night at Lambeau. New Orleans losing a game is a possibility. They play Carolina, then they play at Atlanta. Atlanta losing a game is definitely a possibility. They play at Buffalo this week. But San Francisco losing out is unlikely, very unlikely. So that path is not the one I want you to focus on. Option two or path number two is Washington wins out. They beat Philly and they beat the Giants. The Eagles lose to the Cowboys in the season finale. Very possible that Dallas will be playing for a number one seed or a number two seed in that game. So uh, more likely than not, Dallas will have something to play for in the season finale against the Eagles. Washington wins out. Philadelphia loses out, meaning they lose to Washington, they lose to Dallas. Minnesota wins a game. They have to win one of their final two games against Green Bay or Chicago at home. New Orleans loses one game. They finish at Atlanta. And Atlanta loses a game. They play at Buffalo. It's not that much of a long shot. Okay? I mean, it's it's unlikely, but it's not it's not impossible. Um, you know, the hardest part there is Washington winning their final two. Philadelphia losing to Dallas isn't nuts. Minnesota winning one of their final two isn't nuts. New Orleans losing one of their final two isn't nuts. And Atlanta losing one of its final two isn't nuts. 
But here's the one that I think would get everybody excited if Washington beat Philadelphia on Sunday. This is the third and final path to the postseason. Do you think we've lost our listeners at this point? <laughs> no. No, I think they're I think they're they're hanging on. They're laughing, but they're hanging on. <laughs> they are laughing though, aren't they? Um Yes, they are. Washington wins out. Philadelphia loses to Dallas in the finale. Minnesota loses either to Green Bay or Chicago, one of those two. Atlanta loses um, to Buffalo, and Atlanta beats New Orleans. So let me walk through this. If Washington beats Philadelphia on Sunday, and what also happens is Atlanta loses to Buffalo, which is very likely. Minnesota loses to Green Bay, which is likely, even though they're a a six-and-a-half-point underdog, which reeks a little bit. We would go into the final week of the season needing to beat the Giants and then just hoping Dallas beats Philly and Atlanta beats New Orleans, and then you're in. That's where you get to this. Wait, wait, tell me that again, Sheehan. If Washington beats Philadelphia this weekend... And Minnesota loses to Green Bay Sunday night, which they're a six and a half point underdog. And Atlanta loses to Buffalo on Sunday. They're a 14 and a half point underdog. Then we will go into the final week only needing to beat the Giants and have Dallas beat Philly. And Dallas will likely have something to play for. And Atlanta at home to beat New Orleans. They're Plus 1,300 to make the playoffs, Tommy. I've already put 50 bucks on them to make the playoffs. <laughs> I just, I, you know what? Because I'm sitting here thinking. That's putting your money where your mouth is, baby. Well, you know, it'll win 650 bucks if they make the postseason. I just think plus 1,300, a 13 to 1 chance, isn't actually truly reflective. I think I'm getting some value there. I think their chances are like more like eight to one, seven to one. You know, um, I I I don't think they're thirteen to one. I think beating, of course, the key is beating Philadelphia. And by the way, uh, breaking news: uh, Sam Cosby just put on the reserve COVID list. Oh God! Well, these are the things we can't. Pop Shermer too, but but yeah. you know, these are the things. Sam Cosby, yeah. who's been. Who's been who's been a pretty good player for them, pretty good rookie season for the, for this kid. Had a great rookie season. So yeah. I, I, if, if they somehow were to beat Philadelphia, just understand that more likely than not, they won't be eliminated and they'll go into week 18 needing to just beat the Giants, which at that point you all will think that they'll beat the Giants. They'll probably end up losing to the Giants. They'll probably beat Philly and lose like to the Giants. Have, like, like they have two other times in in recent history, yeah, but, but not when they had to beat beat a hapless either a, a Giants team not playing for anything or a hapless Giants team for a season. No, they they only they only and had they lost both of them. Well, they only had one game against the Giants where they had to win to get into the postseason. That was the one at home. No, no, but 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 again, you dismiss this. Yes, I do. But before the game, I'm talking about is Jay Gruden, and you can you can call him on this next time he's on your show if you want. Yeah. Made a big deal at about finishing with a winning record, oh finishing eight and eight, or with a winning record, uh-huh. or something like that, and put a lot of value on it going into that Giants game. The Giants team that had only won two games that year. It was or one game. Yeah, and Washington and had, they lost. And Washington had only won three, and every single player looked no, at Jay. No, 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 no. 
No, they won. Like they, this was going to be the, the, the side if they had a winning record. Oh, this was. Oh, this was 2017. I got it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but but they were out of it. They weren't playing for anything. But the coach said they were uh, playing uh, for something. Whatever. The players have one foot out the door when nobody's playing for anything in week 18 okay. in the final Well, you know week. what? Why don't, you, why don't you ask Jay about that next time? I, okay, I will. The next time I have Jay on, okay. I'll say, Jay, the, gay, the game at the end of 2017 when you went, and wasn't that game like in seven-degree weather, um, you know, and, and wind sideways with Cousins, by, by the way, on his way out and a bunch of players not, you know, dressed for the game? Whatever. I mean, And the Giants were a two-win game. Uh, whatever. These games never mean anything. It's a preseason okay. game. The point is that they're setting themselves up to play it's another season finale yeah. against a Giants team they should beat. Right. And they could lose. Right. Well, look. If They've they, got no right losing that game. If they win. Like they did the other one. If, if they win on Sunday, then they will play the Giants with the Giants having nothing to play for and Washington having everything to play for. And, yeah, it wouldn't shock me if that's the game they end up losing, although the Giants are really bad. Like, they have a They're terrible, really bad. terrible yes, quarterback situation. Um, but, I, again, if we get to, to Sunday night, late Sunday night, after the Minnesota-Green Bay game, which is going to be a game played, game time projected temperature, four degrees at Lambeau. Um, if Minnesota loses that game and earlier in the day Atlanta lost to Buffalo, which, you know, again, both of those results are likely. The one that isn't is Washington beating Philadelphia, but it's not, you know, it's not massively, un, you know, improbable. If, if Washington, I agree with if, you if about Washington the, beats about Philadelphia, the we're, we're going to the final week just needing Atlanta to beat New Orleans and Dallas to beat Philly and Washington to beat the Giants to make the postseason. I agree with you about the Eagles game. Now, ask, I don't think it's far-fetched to think that, that Washington can win this game. Now ask me if I think, I think that it, they're going to make the playoffs. Really? Just ask Wait me. Wait a minute. Let me, re, let, let me rewind the, the string in my back. Okay, let me because it, it, let Hold me on. pull it back out again. You're bouncing up and down. Let me pull let me, back uh, out. Yeah, look, look at you. You're, okay. You're, by the way, by the way, it's not. Kevin. It's it's really hard to hold you on this string. <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> do you think they're going to make the playoffs? No, I don't. <laughs> you know who I think is going to make the playoffs? I think Philadelphia and San Francisco are going to make the playoffs because I think if Philadelphia loses Sunday, that they will end up beating Dallas next week at home. And that will be, you know, and, and they'll they'll sync those games up to play them at the same time, you know, whether it's the one o'clock window or the four o'clock window, you know, whatever. Um, and so it'll be one of those scoreboard watching situations in the final week. But I think San Francisco is going to beat Houston. I don't know what they'll do against the Rams. I think they could beat the Rams. And I think that Philadelphia will win one of its final two. And if they lose to Washington, that they'll come back and they'll beat Dallas next week, and that'll be what will eliminate Washington. I also think New Orleans is so good defensively um, that they should beat Carolina, being a little bit more healthy on offense Sunday. And then even though the game is at Atlanta, that the Saints with their defense might have a chance to win that game. By the way, they're they're the team that if they get in, they can't beat anybody. You know, I, I heard um, – 
on Monday night, uh, the Monday night crew, Greasy and Riddick, they were saying nobody wants to face the Saints in the postseason, the Saints defense, and it is nasty. But the Saints, and I know they've got Alvin Kamara, but their quarterback situation is such garbage. They're not winning a, a, a playoff game. The teams that you'd have to be worried about in the NFC if you're among the higher-seeded teams, San Francisco, Philadelphia, and then Minnesota just because they're so hot and cold. They're so capable of playing so well, you know, 500 yards, 34 points against Green Bay, and then they're also capable of playing poorly. Um, but if you're a playoff team seated high, you'd rather see Washington or New Orleans end up in one of those, you know, final seeds because I don't think either one of those two teams is a threat to win a game or even push a team if they were to get there. That's my feeling on it. But anyway, just so okay. everybody understands, there is you're saying there's a chance. There, there is a chance, and I don't think it's thirteen to one. That's why, I, that's why I threw a little, you know, taste on it, Tommy, because I, I, to me, it's not, it's not even money. It's not two to one. It's not four to one. It's probably more like a one in seven or one in eight chance, not a one in thirteen chance. And and it's because of their tiebreaking situation. They win all these t- multiple team tiebreakers, and so if they can win out. It's you know if the, it, that's that's probably the hardest part is is most people don't think they can win out because you know why they're not very good <laughs> that's that's also true. Meantime, Tommy, what do you make of Rivera's comments about the quarterback stuff? I, I get a chance to talk to him this afternoon, and I'm obviously going to ask him about it. And you can hear it tomorrow morning on the Team 980 at 8 a.m. But he, you know, he said the other day we might, you know, pro- Kyle's probably going to play. We'd like to get a chance to 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 evaluate evaluate him a little bit more. And then yesterday he said, you know, it's really not about evaluating these guys. It's just if the situation presents itself. Kyle will play, um, and and then like they said, well, what kind of situation would you envision Kyle coming in? And he said, well, I don't want to put anything out there, but you'll notice, you'll see it, and we'll go from there. I think I have an idea of what the plan is. I don't know. This it's just a guess. It's not a report. What do you think it is? Well, I don't know what it is. I don't. I don't have any idea what it is. I don't have an idea what I think it is. I don't know why he would volunteer that. What's the upside for him throwing Kyle Allen publicly into the mix? Why, why do that? Yeah. Why not just go ahead and do it like, like on your own, like your own plan, and not, not tell anybody about it, you know? It's, I mean, but what, what do you think the motivation is? Is it just he just wasn't thinking, just likes to talk? I don't... I don't know what he's doing here. Like, is he trying to make the Eagles prepare for both quarterbacks? Is that he, may be. Is he really? But they're the same quarterback in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Allen isn't as 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 off off script as Taylor Heineke could be, but he can. He's capable of it. We've seen him. He can run. He can move back there. I, I, I th- got a better arm. I, I think he is thinking, and, and by the way, if he's thinking this, then I wish that he would just make the move. I think he believes there's a chance that Taylor's not going to play well, and if he doesn't, Kyle's coming in. And if they lose... Well, but he already set him up for that now. I know. Like, uh, 
I think the only goal for Sunday should be put your players out there to give you the best chance to beat the Eagles. If you're already thinking that Kyle might play, well, then you're already thinking that Taylor may not succeed. (laughs) So just play Kyle then. Yeah. I I said it yesterday on the podcast. This is not the the game where you think, well – you know, I don't want to. I don't want to mess with with Taylor Heineke's mojo. I don't want to bench him yet. You know, like you said, their only purpose should be to win the Eagles game Sunday. Nothing else matters. Yeah, that's what I think. Um, we had. I want to get your thoughts on Madden. Um, you have a story to tell too. Uh, we'll do that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Just a reminder to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. Really helps us, doesn't cost you a thing. Rate us and review us, especially on Apple and Spotify, uh, if you haven't done that. Um, all of those things really do help us and will really help us heading into the first quarter of 2022. Um, our rankings, our reviews, all of those things really do help drive uh, and increase our ability um, to generate uh, revenue for the podcast. So thanks for doing that. If you haven't done it, it takes, you know, pause us right now and do it if you can. One sentence review about how much you like the show and a five-star rating would be great. We'll take four. We prefer five. By the way, before we get to your thoughts on John Madden, I had Joe Beninati on the radio show today, one of my favorite people to have on as a guest. He's just such a great guest. Joe always. is a class act. And a very talented broadcaster. So talented. So the Caps won last night in the resumption of the NHL season. Um, they beat the uh, Preds, uh, Nashville, 5-3. to three. And the Caps right now have the second most point, points in the NHL. But, man, Joe laid out the logistical challenge right now in the NHL. And the real challenge are these Canadian teams they are, you know, you can't essentially, you can't really play games in Canada right now. And their protocols aren't changing because the NHL's changed theirs. You know, the NHL, like the NFL, cut the quarantining uh, in half from 10 days to five days per, by the way, the CDC recommendation. Well, they're not doing that in right. Canada. And, and so um, there, there's going to be a challenge to get to an 82 game finish here. The Caps have already had multiple games postponed. Their game, their next game, which was scheduled for Montreal in Montreal on January 4th, has already been postponed. Um, it's going to be quite the challenge. I did learn something from Joe this morning. You know how, um, last year in baseball and in the NFL during the pandemic, the, you know, the, the league said if we end up with an odd number of games, meaning you know some teams play 16, some teams play 15. We'll just revert to winning percentage for playoff, uh, you know, uh, positioning. Well, the NHL right. is the only league that is based on points. They have a point system, 
You know, it's not a winning percentage thing. It's a point-based system. So you've got, you know, a much better chance if you play more games to end up with more points. Well, Joe explained to me that it would be point percentage. Uh, It wouldn't be winning percentage. It would be point percentage. So if the Caps ended up playing 82, but just say Carolina ended up playing 78 games, it would essentially come down to what were your potential points? Well, for 82, that would be 164 potential points. How many points did you have? So what percentage of your overall point uh, possibility did you did you achieve? So it would come down to that. I thought that was interesting. Probably not to many of you. All right, go ahead. Uh, what did you think of the Madden passing? What was your reaction to it? Well, uh, look, I mean, he was – he had such a remarkable life in in terms of these three careers where he was, and the third one I don't even know if you call it a career. You know I don't know what you call his his Madden football time, but uh, I mean, he he's the winningest coach of any coach with coach over a hundred games in the history of the league. I mean he had a remarkable. They went I think to the. AFC title game like six times yeah. in the 10 years he coached. He lost five of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, now that's when the AFC, when you were playing the Dolphins and the Steelers and and, and, and every year. Uh, and uh, as a broadcaster, I mean, he there's, there's no one that's come close to matching him since in terms of personality and knowledge. You know, there's just... I mean, there's just nobody that 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 that's that that's been around since Madden stopped doing games, who's come close to him. And uh, the whole Madden football thing, you know, it's it's a foreign concept to me. I never played Madden football. My kids didn't play Madden football. But I certainly recognize the huge impact it, it had in the video game business. And he was involved, I guess, in the planning of it you know, every year to some extent. But I read somewhere he's he's uh, he's worth over $200 million. Oh, is it too uh, – that's so funny because I was wondering what his net worth was, and I estimated it would be close to a half a billion dollars. So we... I thought that's what I thought. Now, I, I saw a report that said $200 million. I said to my wife, I'll bet you it's $500 million before I even saw that report. Yeah, um – so you read that his net worth was two hundred million dollars. Yeah, that seems low to me. the The game itself has generated to date seven billion dollars in revenue since uh, since Madden put his name on it back in you know nineteen eighty nine or whatever. Um, I don't know what his deal was if he got. Essentially, royalties, you know, a percentage of revenue, whether he got equity in the company. I don't know. I've looked for that and I'm looking for, you know, somebody sent me something, but it didn't look like it was totally right. Um, But if you if you think that he got five percent of the revenue, well, that's, you know, three hundred and fifty billion million dollars just in, in the revenue. And. You know, if if he made that off of that, along with all of his other forms of compensation, along with you know how, what he did with his money along the way, I would have estimated it would have he would have been worth at least a half a billion dollars. 
I agree. Here's something. I think, I think 200 million is pretty low. I just found this. Let me just. Um, EA's share price rose from $7.50 in 1989 to $70 in 1999, according to ESPN. Okay, so 10x, basically. The company went on to become one of the leading game development companies in the world behind a Madden franchise that has sold more than 130 million games. The Madden games have equated to more than $4 billion in sales. I read $7 billion in sales and have appeared on more than 30 different platforms. EA Sports' FIFA, the soccer game, is the only other sports video game to surpass 100 million in sales. It's funny. My boys love Madden football, and they love FIFA. Um, Madden later said, not buying into EA was the dumbest thing I ever did in my life. Madden did agree in 2005 to a $150 million deal with the company to use his name and likeness in perpetuity, along with getting annual royalties. Okay. So what he's saying there is he didn't take equity. You know, as their share price rose, he was not an equity holder in EA. What he had was probably some sort of revenue deal or royalty deal. And then in 2005, which is 16 years you know, after the game was launched, they paid him $150 million in perpetuity to use his name and likeness, uh, $150 million to use his name and likeness in perpetuity, along with getting annual royalties. Well, I don't know what the royalty deal was, but $200 million is light. There's, I, I, I would bet that his net worth at death the other day was worth, is more than $200 million. I agree. I agree. And uh, look, to a lot of people out there, his personality, and uh, and I wrote about this in a column in the Washington Times. You could read it on WashingtonTimes.com slash sports. I tweeted it out. And you can find it. Retweeted on, it. Oh, thank you. I, you can find it on my Twitter account and my Facebook page, Tom Lavero. Uh, in that, you know, everything I've heard about this guy is that he was so approachable and loved and, you know, liked meeting people. The Madden bus, the crew, the Madden cruiser that would drive around the country. I remember reading a Stephen King story where he said uh, it reaffirmed his his belief in, in, in humanity. It, it, those trips, because of the people he would meet, you'd hear about how terrible the world was, and he'd say, "I don't really believe that because uh, the people I meet are so nice and, and friendly." And so, I mean, his well, here's how I describe some people. What's your first move? His first move is to be a good guy. <laughs> not, you know, in pretty, pretty much advice. anything. Pretty good advice. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's his first move. I mean, that, that's his instinct. And I, I think that came across uh, to people who didn't even know him. But I also put in, he did, I mean, him and Summerall are legendary, obviously. They did the last game at RFK Stadium. Yeah, no, I talked about in it In 96. Yeah. Right. And the Post did a story uh, where I, I picked up the quotes from it and attributed it to the Post, obviously. And uh, I said, in addition to being a great football coach, television personality, and video game legend, Madden became a prophet. Quote, I'm sure the new place will be bigger and nicer and more parking and more efficient and all that. But the tough part about it is you'll never have this again, and there's not a whole bunch of these places left. There's no place like it. And there never will be again. To me, that's kind of sad. 
I it just makes sort of the hair on the back of my neck stand up in in watching yeah. that you know because I pl- we we played it last week to you know to remember 25 years ago the final game at RFK and you know Madden's last you know sort of goodbye to it at the end of the broadcast is spectacular and he loved RFK just yes, loved did. it and you know I had Ernie Bauer on the podcast yesterday and I know that you included uh, some Ernie stories in your column as well. Um, and Ernie said he loved RFK and he loved the fan base. And, yes. you know, I, it would have been interesting, you know, over these last, you know, 5, 10, 15 years to get Madden's perspective on this franchise and how, you know, it has fallen so, you know, it, 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 it's fallen so much um, it, uh, over the years. And I, I'm sure he, just like us, is like, God, it would be, you know, those poor people. He probably thought those yeah. poor people, yeah. they, they were so into this thing. It was so great. And I was there and I remember all of it, you know? And um, yeah, there's, um, and I read some of these yesterday on the podcast, but if you haven't read it, I would recommend reading it because I think you'll love some of these stories. But ESPN.com um, reposted a story that they published in April written by Ryan Hawkinsmith. I don't know who that is. But it were it was basically a series of Madden stories. There were like I think there were like twelve or thirteen or fourteen of them, and they were just different stories about Madden. St- many of them I had never heard before, but some of them you would love, including what happened on nine eleven and who his passenger was with him on his bus going back to California from New York. Do you know Do you know the story I'm talking about? Uh, no. Peggy Fleming. Peggy Fleming. Really? Peggy Fleming was making a speech in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, probably a town you're very familiar with. with. Is it Mm Wilkes-Barre or Wilkes-Barre? Uh, Wilkes-Barre. Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. She was making a speech the morning of 9-11-2001. And when the speech was over... Um, she couldn't get back to California because obviously air traffic had, you know, been halted. And she called her agent, who was an agent at IMG, and the agent said, you're going to have to hang out there for a couple of days. We can't get you back to California. And then she got a call five days later saying, you're going to get picked up by John Madden and his bus. (laughs) And... And she she told the story. She said, as the bus pulled up, she she sat there with her baggage out in front of the hotel with her thumb stuck out in the air. And the door, <laughs> the door of the bu- bus opened up and Madden said, get on in here. And they spent 52 <laughs> hours together going from Pennsylvania back to California, where they both lived on his bus. Wow. And they became very good friends. Um, that was a cool story. Um there was a story where um, they were in a hotel in Chicago, in, in a Ritz-Carlton in Chicago, and a guy with big glasses and a thick British accent walked up to him and said, look, we only get one broadcast a week in the UK, and I only watch when you're doing the games. And he said, oh, that's really nice. Thank you very much. The guy walked away, and his agent, Sandy Montag, said, that was Elton John. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's kind of like the Ali Beatles thing remember um when the Beatles yeah. came to visit him down in Miami before the the first Liston fight and Ali had no clue yeah. as to who they were 
Um, yeah. You you should. There were so many good stories, many of which I had never heard, and you'd you'd love some of the stories about Madden. By by the way, the other one being, did you know that he was the inspiration for the first down yellow line on Fox? Yeah, I had heard that before. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. that. Um. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Tell real, I got a story. I know. Tell this story real quickly before the end of, before we say goodbye for the day. Go ahead. Okay. I found out recently. Uh, I know a lot about my father's side of the family, the Lovero side, but my mother's side, Donlan, the Irish side. Right. I don't know anything at all, pretty much. Uh, and a friend of mine who's uh, doing like ancestry research as a hobby offered to do some research on the Donlin name for me. And they found out that I didn't even know who my great-grandfather was. My great-grandfather's name was Patrick Donlin. And uh, they found a story in the May 6, 1905, Brooklyn Citizen newspaper, uh, that Patrick Donlin of, of 78 Raymond Street was pushing a handcart along Ashland Place yesterday afternoon when a big wagon owned by the Kipps Bay Brewing Company came along the Cab Avenue on the way to the bridge. Apparently, it ran my great-grandfather over, killing him, oh. and he died at the age of 30. Oh, my God. By a beer cart, by a runaway beer cart. Oh, my when God. When picked up by eyewitnesses of the accident, Donlin was unconscious and bleeding from <sighs> several wounds about the head and body. Oh, my God. The, 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 the driver of the cart was arrested on a charge of homicide. Was he convicted? I don't know. That's all I've got. I don't know. Was your great-grandfather... My, my great-grandfather... Was he, he was... I, I'm assuming he was first generation, right? I see. I don't know that. Oh. I mean, I didn't even know what generation of Donlins was the first one over here. Oh, my I, I know, God. I know anything 30, about that 30, Hold on. 30 years old, and he got yeah. run over by a beer wagon. Yes. Oh, my God. I think that in, explains in, a in, lot about me. In Brooklyn. <laughs> in Brooklyn. Yes. Yeah. On uh, DeKalb Avenue. So. And what was the beer? Sir. Uh, didn't say that. Uh, oh, Kipps Bay Brewing Company. Uh, Kipps Bay. No longer in business. Yeah, like Ballantyne. I'm I hoping my great grandmother, my great grandmother, sued the hell out of him. But I don't think people did that back then. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Like, if if they were negligent, if they were at fault, I mean, you certainly could have sued. You, you, I mean, it's 1905. It's not 1805. Right. Well, listen. If they got, if they did sue, I don't know. They couldn't have gotten much money because I didn't get any. <laughs> <laughs> there was no generational wealth there. I can tell you that. Kipps Bay Brewery um, Company opened. Oh, it says it opened in 1910 and closed in 1913. Well, well, that doesn't make sense. Got the article right here. No, actually, here's something that says it opened in 1895. Okay. Um, 
Well, maybe they put oh him out of business. Oh, my God. That's a terrible story. 30 years old, your great-grandfather. And so this was your... I thought it was kind of amusing myself. Yeah. So this was your mother's grandfather. Um, yes. And, my mother's grandfather. Yeah. And your grand... You know, and your... your and, and Yeah, that's... And your grandfather's... It would have been your grandfather's father. Yes. I didn't know my grandfather. He died before I was born on both sides of my family. Mm-hmm. Both my grandfathers died before I was born. So. Old Patrick Dunlap. And Dunlin. both my grandmothers I knew. Oh. Yeah. So who knows what, what we'll find out. I want to make a trip to Ireland sometime soon when things calm down. So i got to do some more research on the Donlin name before I go over there. Maybe the Donlins and Sheehan's yeah. were friends over in County Cork. That's, po- that's possible. Um, it's possible. That's and one last thing. Yeah, one last thing before we go. Yes, I want to uh, let everybody know that I'm, we're wishing a happy birthday today one, to one of the legends of Washington's public relations, the greatest public relations guy I've ever had the chance of knowing. The great Charlie Brotman mm. turns ninety-four today. Oh my God, Charlie! Uh, happy birthday. And- Yes, happy birthday, Troll. He's impacted a lot of lives in, in, in this town, and I love the guy. I love Charlie Brotman. Who doesn't? Every single person in media in this town is at some point along the way needed to rely on Charlie Brotman. Yes. Um, my favorite, my favorite Charlie Brotman was when Charlie, when, when, you know, during the tennis, Charlie was the PA guy of the tennis tournament downtown at 16th and Kennedy for years, you know, introducing players right. and introducing everybody. And, um, he's, he's the best. Wow. 94 years old, Charlie, I hope you're well, happy birthday to you. Um, Okay. Oh, since we're not going to talk again until Tuesday, do you want to make a pick on the Washington-Philadelphia game? Yeah, I'm going to pick Philadelphia uh, 24-10. 24-10 Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I will do a podcast tomorrow um, just previewing the game, uh, some thoughts on the game, a smell test prediction on the game. Uh, maybe a guest uh, as well. Uh, that's it. What a story about when Tommy's great grandfather. When I talk to you next time, it'll be from sunny Destin, Florida. Oh, that's right. You're head, heading to Destin down there that's in the right, Panhandle. Um, and you know what? Yep. When we talk next, it'll be 2022. God, this year has yeah. flown by. All right. Uh, safe travels. Happy New Year. Uh, I'm back tomorrow. Happy New Year to you. And Tommy and I will be back together on Tuesday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.